Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. My heart is melting right now. I, I just That's amazing. I, I don't think we've ever had a moment like that on the show before. When you're unshackled from all of that emotional baggage, like what do you want to create, bring into the world? That's it. That's all that exists is right now. So if right now sucks, you're in real trouble. What's up, guys? Xavier Katan here, and wow, what a phenomenal episode with Mr. Tom Bilyeu of Quest Nutrition. Some really amazing things that they're doing over at that company. Definitely check them out. And this episode, we cover so much. I mean, we cover entrepreneurship and success and what it means to be successful. And we just we dive in and we really get into the core of what we're talking about in the special content section, which you can access. And the link for that will be below. Please make sure that you check out us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all at The Human XP. Thank you so much for listening. The Human Experience is in session. My guest today is Mr. Tom Bilyeu. Tom, my good sir, welcome to HXP. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So, Tom, it's a pleasure. I mean, you... I feel like you've probably had this conversation many, many times, but you you founded your most known for finding Quest Nutrition, and this is a company that exploded in revenue. Why don't you tell us about that a bit and describe that feeling for us of of finding a company and having it do so well? Well, it was um, it was born out of misery. Uh, so it's, it was just an incredible experience and really shows what happens when you stand up and take a look at how you're feeling about everything that you're doing and you make a new demand of yourself. So my partners and I had been building a technology company for almost a decade before that, and the company was doing quite well and I just wasn't having any fun. I didn't feel fulfilled. I was chasing money and just came up emotionally bankrupt at the end of all that. And so I had actually um, quit that company and told my partners, you know, I, I can't keep doing this and I really want to find fulfillment and passion and uh, build something that I care deeply about, something that I'm excited about. And long story short, they felt the same way. And so we put ourselves on a ticking clock and said, if we don't hit certain revenue goals by X period of time, that we would sell the company and start something that you know we were really passionate about. And for three very different reasons, the answer to what we were very passionate about was health and nutrition. I grew up in a morbidly obese family. So I was just really, really focused on trying to solve that problem and, and save my mom and my sister. And because I was coming from that place of being deeply empathetic to their plight and being so passionate to help them, and I wasn't blind to the fact that obviously there were hundreds of millions, if not a billion plus people that were struggling with food in the same way that they were, hmm. it just turned business into something completely different. And it turned it into creating value for other people, serving other people, and being able to lead with compassion. And that was such 
a profound shift for me because I had spent so long telling myself the narrative of somebody who was willing to suffer to get rich. And once I switched that narrative to somebody who was willing to suffer to help other people, then everything changed. And we did more revenue in a single day at Quest than our previous company did annually. So it was just such on such a much grander scale. And to see that the social awakening and the way the technology had really made everybody so hyper-connected and changed the dynamic between a consumer and a company uh, was just amazing to see that you could be rewarded and that you could treat being authentic and naturally wanting to help people as a marketing tool, right? And the better you were to people and the more you put yourself out there and the more you tried to connect and build a community that it came back to you in the form of big business. So, I mean, it's, we're living through this profound shift and it's one of those things that as you see entrepreneurs wake up to this and as you see more companies embrace it, and stop trying to hide behind a corporate veil, but instead, you know, really step out front and say what the company stands for, who you are as people, what you're trying to bring into this world, that it comes back to you because people can really feel that. And there's that sense of authentic connection that you just couldn't have before. So it's, it is such an exciting time to be an entrepreneur. And it was so neat to see that when we really turned our backs on thinking about money and instead just really started thinking about value creation, that everything changed. Wow. You know, there's a there's an article that I copy pasted for the research for this interview, and the title of it is "How This Protein Bar Brand Grew Fifty Seven Thousand Percent in Three Years," and it's written on September thirtieth, twenty fifteen. And the question someone asked you was, "Did you expect the company to be this big?" And your answer was, <laughs> "Yes, we expected it to be this big, if not bigger." Um, I mean, wow, just, you know, you're, I want to touch on what you said about turning things around and, and not chasing money because, uh, you know, in the few years of running this program, I've, I've talked to many people who, who kind of preach the same thing. I mean, how would you define success? That's a really individual question. And I think, um, I'll give you an answer and it'll be very specific, but it'll be specific to me. So I don't expect this in any way, shape or form to be universal, but I think people have to set a goal for themselves. And part of that is breaking free of small thinking, breaking free of seeing yourself with, um, all these limitations and foibles and, and really, you know, when you're unshackled from all of that emotional baggage, like what do you want to create, bring into the world? And when you dream freely and then turn that dream into an actual goal and then create the steps that you know that you'll have to go through to get to that goal and then acquire the skills to actually do it, um, whether or not you ultimately accomplish that gigantic goal or not, to me, is irrelevant to success. It's about putting yourself legitimately on the path of pushing the envelope of your own potential. So that's how I think about myself is purely, can I wring every drop of potential out of myself through the acquisition of skills that are in service of a goal larger than myself? So I'm very action oriented. It needs to be aimed at something specific. And it needs to be so big and audacious that it scares me. And so for me, the pursuit of that, the just naked, raw, um, not unafraid because I'm, I'm afraid all the time, but that you <laughs> yeah. act even in the face of fear, um, that is my definition of success. Do you feel that in some way you've escaped the matrix in, in some strange way? Just because I don't think I've ever seen a company do this before. I mean... 
you go from the startup company into being a you know a billion dollar revenue company it, it just it's mind-boggling i would say for most people it would redefine how you kind of look at the world when you're absolutely crushing your expectations for how well you want a company to do. Yeah. So the notion of escaping the matrix <laughs> sits at the absolute heart of my existence. And once I realized that the matrix was the perfect metaphor for your own mindset, then yes, I've escaped the matrix because I'm not held back by my mindset, at, at least not in any debilitating way. And I do work every day to, you know, empower myself further and further and gain more skills and be um, less compromised by fear and insecurity. Then I think it's an ongoing process you know, it's not as sort of neatly binary as you see in the movie, but yeah, I do think that I've, I've escaped in that sense. And, um, quest in many ways was a result of people that look at gaining skills and how do I get better and how do I improve and how do I look at myself and recognize where I'm weak and, um, you know, really set our sights on a goal and, and then really, really move towards that. And, you know, a lot of what happened at quest was, being prepared for the right time. So, you know, I don't want people to think that there isn't um, some timing involved in this, but that to me is is irrelevant. You really have to set that aside. You really have to be preparing yourself for what you want to do so that when the opportunity presents itself that you're able to execute against that. And that that notion of execution is what I'm obsessed hmm. with. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really intriguing. There's a bunch of articles in front of me that you talk about wealth creation and that when you care about wealth creation, that um, you need to add one element to the equation, which is to solve a big problem. And the, the bigger the problem is, the bigger the financial opportunity is. Can you kind of expound on that a bit? Yeah, definitely. So there's a guy named Peter Diamandis. He's the um, founder of the X Prize, which is an amazing philanthropic organization that looks at the biggest problems that we face as a society and tries to incentivize the crowd to come up with solutions to those. And he has a great quote, and he said, if you want to make a billion dollars, help a billion people. And it's you know very elegant and obviously an oversimplification, but it gets at the real truth of the matter, which is that people will pay for value. So when you think about the things that you pay for in your life, there are things that you pay for gladly, where you, you almost can't believe for that amount of money that you can get that product or service because it delivers that much value to you. And if as entrepreneurs that we really look at that and say, we have an obligation obligation not to just be clever marketers, but we have an obligation to create something that's worth selling and that as more people buy it, they're empowered and the world at large is empowered because now you can sell and you can sell like really with enthusiasm and passion because you believe that you're making that person better, that you're making the world better. And Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, talks about this in his amazing book, Shoe Dog, which I highly recommend people read. And in it, he said, you know, I'd been a salesperson before and I'd always been terrible, but I was actually really good at selling at Nike. And when I looked internally uh, for the reason why, the answer was very simple, that belief is irresistible. And what I was selling was my belief that running made the world a better place 
and that these shoes made you a better runner. And I thought, oh man, that's so right on. Like once that's exactly what it was like for me at Quest, it was easy to sell because I believed in the product. I believed that if you ate this instead of something else, that you were actually going to be in better health, that you were going to feel better. You were going to potentially live longer. You were going to look better. And you know, that you start putting it in real context. Like I'm thinking about my mom and my sister, they're going to be in my lives longer. They're going to be happier. Um, but you know, think about people that have kids, they're going to be there longer for their children, or they're going to be able to, you know, build something that they otherwise might not have had the energy to build or the longevity or whatever the case. So, you know, you can, you can really pour yourself into that kind of thing. And the beautiful thing about any grand endeavor is that it will yield to time, energy, and focus. And so when you've got that energy and you're willing to put in that time and that focus, because you believe in it, ultimately, even Mm -hmm. the hardest problems that we face are going to fall away. And as they fall away, if they're falling away to commerce, to a business that's built on bringing value into something beautiful for the world, then, you know, you get that, uh, amazing combination of generating real wealth, which can be leveraged to make other things come true. Cause to me, money is just a facilitator. And if you've earned that money facilitating something amazing, you know, garnering those resources will only let you facilitate more great things. Yeah, I, I love the eloquence in, in your explanations through these questions. We're going to keep going with the entrepreneurship angle here for a little bit longer, but being an entrepreneur seems like it's almost a trendy thing nowadays. I mean, if I hear about another kid who has invented the next best thing and sold it for you know, $40 billion, I'm going to vomit. I just, I can't take it anymore. And I mean, I've, I've been in the startup world for at least 10 years building companies. And I want your opinion on what you think about where startup culture has evolved to and kind of (laughs) what is going on here? Yeah, I'll take a, a slightly different viewpoint and I'll say this, finally, the world reveres people who are building something and they revere in, um, themselves the ability to create something. Now, a lot of them, just like a kid who's looking up at a basketball star, instead of thinking about wanting to be capable of a championship performance, he's thinking about wanting to be a champion. And the difference between those two is vast and it is so important. And so people look at entrepreneurs and they're thinking about a big house, a fast car, lots of money, girls, you know, uh, whatever it is that they're, they're thinking about instead of thinking about building something that matters. But at least we're living through this moment in time where people like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or Richard Branson, people look at them and they want to be them. These were the geeks. These were the ones that were picked on. I mean, Elon Musk was literally bullied and beaten. And one of the things that he was trying to do was to escape that when he left to, you know, he ended up in Canada. Canada first. Uh, but that was why he left South Africa. And the fact that we now as a society look up to them the way that we used to look up to rock stars to me is absolutely breathtaking because at the end of the day, an entrepreneur's job is to build something that matters. An entrepreneur's job is to build something that is so valuable that people will trade their money for it. And since you trade, most people are trading time for money. You're literally trading time for that entity, your most valuable thing. So if people can actually do that, create something that is so unbelievably valuable that people are in essence trading their time for it. it it's, that's so amazing to me. And so 
Yes, it's trendy. And yes, a lot of people are doing it purely because it's trendy. But man, I'll take that. I'll take that juice and try to get people to understand that it's even more powerful than you think. Once you switch your mindset from I want the car, the house, the jewels, and start thinking about I want the resources that allow me to build things that matter. I want to have global impact. I want to learn how to hold myself to metrics and learn how to move and shift and acquire new skills as the market demands it. You know, entrepreneurship to me is is a, a very amazing expression of what it means to be garnering skills in service of something bigger than yourself. Yeah, that's such a beautiful explanation. I, I really, really connect with that. I, I just, I, I don't know, a part of me is a little bit bitter or just, I just don't handle it well anymore. I, I just feel like everyone wants to become an entrepreneur for the sake of making a billion dollars. And it's, you know, it, it's not as clarified as you just kind of made it. And I mean, it's something that I think there was an article that you wrote. It says that entrepreneurs are made, not born. How did you get to a point where you were, how old are you now? 40. Okay. This was 2016 where you guys were exploding. How, how did you go? I mean, was there an understanding? Was there something internal? Did you start meditating? Did you start following a certain guru or did something happen internally other than your desire to solve a problem for the external world? Did something happen to you on the inside that might've reflected this explosion with your company and, and it, the success of your company? Well, it's a, it's really important, um, for the world to know that there were three of us that started the company and the other two guys are just incredibly talented entrepreneurs as well. And, um, so, and we were on three very different paths. So whatever, you know, things that I did was, you know, but one third of the puzzle, And for me, it's really been uh, a very long journey of self-discovery that was born out of massive insecurities and not feeling good about who I was, not feeling good about what I was capable of, feeling like I was trapped, feeling like I could do more, I could be more, but I didn't know how. And really movies were the things that helped me understand what that was. And The Matrix is the perfect example and was as close to a lightning rod moment as I had where I saw this perfect allegory for what was really holding me back, which was my mindset. And once I realized, okay, your mindset is what's holding you back, then I could begin attacking that mindset and building a new mindset and identifying the things that hold me back. Like one thing that is invisible, I think, to most people is what you build your self-esteem around matters. So I think people just think of, oh, ego is bad or you should have self-esteem. But the fact is that what you build your self-esteem around could be self-destructive. So, for instance, I used to build my self-esteem around being right. Now, if you build your self-esteem around being smart or being right, it's a trap. And you're going to fight for dumb ideas just because they were yours and you want to prove to everybody that you're really smart. You'll also put yourself in a room full of people who aren't very smart so that you can be the smartest person in the room. You start doing all this behavior that's very counterproductive to acquiring skills and service of a goal that's larger than yourself, right? So you'll start to see a through line with me. I'm very consistent on what I think is the meaning of life, which is that. And when you're building yourself seem around being right or being smart, it's a fixed mindset, as Carol Dweck calls it in her book, Mindset. 
Um, mm-hmm. And switching over to a growth mindset, and instead of believing that my talent and intelligence were fixed traits that could never be changed, and so it was just a genetic lottery, and I had to find my place in the world to feel good about myself with those, you know, limited qualities. Right. You expand your mind into saying, no, 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 I can be as smart as I want. I can become as talented as I want in anything that I'm willing to really put in the work. Now, Angela Duckworth has an amazing book that's sort of a, a compendium in my mind to mindset called Grit. And she talks about, look, innate talent matters, but effort matters twice as much. So as long as that's true, people don't need to worry about you know what their natural gifts are. Worry about what you want to do and what you want to get great at, and then just put a whole lot of effort behind that. And so, you know, for me, I've been on that quest for, you know, call it 20 years almost. Um, where that's been the central obsession of my life is improving my mindset, improving my skill set, and and measuring it against what I'm able to do in the real world. Yeah, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of people listening to this show who see your success, and they're of course they're going to reflect that back in themselves and want something similar. And f- whether they're building their own company or whatever they're doing. And we do have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show. Was there a point where you felt like giving up? You felt like, I can't do this anymore. I, I just have to let this go. A hundred percent. When I went, when we were building the technology company and I went to my partners and I said, I quit literally, you know, that was me saying, okay, the traditional path to quote unquote success where I make a lot of money and I've got the big house and all that. It, it's, it is so draining emotionally and never were truer words spoken than somebody who said, the only thing you actually have is the present moment. That's it. That's all that exists is right now. So if right now sucks, you're in real trouble. So <laughs> I wanted to find a way to enjoy my right now. And so that became the mandate with business was business was going to serve my right now. It was going to be something that I believed in today. It was going to be something that I felt passionate about today. It was going to be activities that I was going to be able to enjoy right there in that moment. And that was one of the reasons that, you know, a huge part of our marketing strategy was to celebrate transformation was because that was awesome to see. And it was awesome to know that we were contributing to that. And it was awesome that the community was getting excited about the brand because it had helped them transform. So all of that was like exactly delivering what I wanted business to deliver, which was momentary happiness right now today, as well as what I call framework happiness, where you're trying to become something. So it gave both sides of the coin. Hmm. Yeah. Is there something that you could offer people that are listening that let's say that someone is pursuing their dreams and they're failing and they're, they're trying and, and they're doing their best and it, it's just not working. What do you say to someone in that position? They need to focus on two things. One, skill acquisition. So they need to identify what are the skills that they need in order to succeed at, at what they're doing. And if they're blaming anything on the outside, economics, family, circumstance, how they grew up, you know, whatever, they're holding themselves back. It, it, it is merely a set of skills. So no matter what you're trying to accomplish, if you become so good, they can't ignore you, as Steve Martin says, then they won't ignore you. But you've got to put an unending amount of time and energy into that. And that brings me to the second thing, which is you've got to think of yourself through the lens of a lifetime, not the lens of a moment. 
Said another way, be patient. Now, the reason I don't like using the word patient is it's, that's very passive to me. And I think people just need to understand that it's not like you grind for a week uh, or a month or a year. You've got to be grinding for decades. Now, if you're grinding for decades and you're really getting better and you're developing your ability to understand what skills stand between you and executing on what you're trying to accomplish and you get very good at deliberate practice and acquiring those skills and making sure that you're really pushing the boundaries of your capabilities, ultimately, success is going to relent to that, right? Time, focus, and energy. If you're putting enough time, focus, and energy on something, ultimately, it will relent. But People want it fast and I get it. And you should act with as much speed as humanly possible, but you've got to be going all out all the time for decades. This is not yeah. something that happens overnight. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've done that and there gets to a point where you just start to burn out. So what do you, I mean, what do you say to that when, when you are pushing so hard all the time that you're pushing 16 hour days, you no longer have a social life. All you're doing is working on your company or your project or whatever you're working on, and you're just so passionate, involved, immersed in it that, you know, it's it's become everything that you do. You know, it's happened to me. Has it happened to you? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, my answer to that is know thyself. If you want to take a day off, take a day off, right? This isn't a moral uh, thing. And I think people get caught up in that. So first of all, I don't believe everybody should be an entrepreneur. I just think everybody's capable. So if you, a person who shouldn't be an entrepreneur is someone who doesn't want to be an entrepreneur because it's hard as hell. So if you're going to do it, then it better be fun, right? And you better enjoy the process. Like I absolutely, I am obsessed with learning. I'm just obsessed. I would find it fun to learn even if I was living on a desert island and nothing that I was learning had immediate application. I just enjoy the process of garnering knowledge. Yeah. So, and then I like helping people. So any business I'm going to be involved in has to help people. That's just, that's got to be because that, that's fun in the moment, right? So one person writes in, like my goal in doing this podcast is that somebody in your audience is going to write in and say, my life is a little better because of that podcast. Yeah. Now that's the juice for me. So that's why I, you know, want to engage so heavily and build community and engage with my community is I, I really love the moment of awakening in someone's eyes when they realize just how much they're capable of if they're willing to put in the work over the long run. Like that's fun for me. But let me tell you, if I need a day off, I'm going to take a day off. Uh, even though I pride myself on getting out of bed fast, hitting it. Like today I was in the gym before 3 a.m. Yesterday I was in the gym at 2.30 a.m. So like I'm a total grinder. I love that. I eat it up. It's a huge part of my identity. But if I wake up one day and I'm like, holy hell, like for real, I'm not feeling this today, then I'm going to take time off. And man, I all but shut down at Christmas because I want to spend time with my family. So, yeah. you know, know thyself. Don't be like a, you can achieve balance by aggressively going on two ends, you know, work hard, play hard. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy to talk about and it's really easy to say and to put into practice is a whole other story for me anyway. And, um, I mean, kind of like you said, know, know thyself, very, very true, uh, very wise of you to say that, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know when we first started this process of setting up this interview, the first thing that I noticed from quest as a brand was that there were people who were just innately kind, you know, it was like this window to kindness is the strangest phenomenon. Cause you know, I, I, email a lot of people and, you know, we, we get a lot of emails and 
um, just the communication was always on a level where it felt like someone on the other end actually cared what you were saying. And that affected me personally. It, is this something that you employ into your philosophy as a company? And I mean, is this something that you kind of put into your employees or how did that happen? Yeah, 100%. So there were three things that I looked for um, in hiring employees. And number one was um, ambition. You had to have grand ambition. Number two was drive. You had to have the willingness to see it through. And number three was compassion. So, you know, we weren't looking for hyper competitive people or anything like that. We wanted people that were legitimately compassionate, that actually feel empathy for other people, can connect, that want good things for other people. And that's a big thing for me is when somebody can want good things for another person, like that's somebody I want to be around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears here. I want to get into, I want to try to get existential with you if we can. Yeah, let's um, get crazy. <laughs> What is your regard to consciousness, consciousness altering substances, psilocybin? It, where I mean, where are you in regards to meditation, consciousness, the, the using substances to enhance your your cognitive performance, it, all of that? So uh, I'm I'm a big believer in meditation, and for me, everything comes down to the science of the brain. And that was really a big breakthrough for me when I first went on the journey of self-improvement was to really ask a very fundamental question, which is if I were an athlete, what would I focus on? The body. Okay. Well then if I'm trying to be a mental athlete, I need to focus on the brain. I need to understand how it works. I need to understand neurochemistry. I need to understand the anatomy of the brain. And by understanding all of that stuff, I was able to literally visualize it. And being able to visualize it and understand the mechanisms that were at work, then I could fall prey to less and less of cognitive biases or mood swings or whatever the case may be because I understood the mechanisms behind it. Right. So that was a very big thing for me. Um, I would say that I'm not – like when I think about who can talk about consciousness on a level that just like makes my jaw hit the floor – you know, Sam Harris comes to mind. Um, I don't, I don't have that kind of, um, deep wisdom in that area. I haven't spent time thinking about it like that. And the same would hold true for, um, the use of drugs for, you know, altering consciousness. But man, my thing is if, if you're struggling from anxiety, depression, anything like that, I say, use every means that are available to you. Um, and it, it just strikes me as very odd if there was something somebody wanted to try for themselves that people were opposed. If, if it's for them, on them, uh, and it's just them, hell yeah, like give it a shot. And I think that we don't really understand the human mind yet. For all the things that we do know, I think it is a vast ocean that we don't know. I mean, you sound, you sound like you're a pretty positive person. I mean, where do you see the growth of humanity going in the next 10, 20, 30 years, considering current events? Well, you start pushing it out 30 years and, and now I think, so I consider myself a, an amateur futurist. I'm on the board of the X prize, uh, which literally their part of their stated mission is to usher the future in, uh, and, the reason that I find that all so fascinating is its inevitability. So the future is coming whether we want it or not. And I, I am, as you said, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic about the future. I'm, uh, I'm not naive to the fact that a lot of this stuff is going to have to be very deeply thought about and we're going to have to address things. But 30 years from now, I think that um, at a minimum, you're going to see a massive 
biological augment, augmentation um, that will be living through the transhuman phase where people are putting microchips in their brains um, that were, you know, growing organs in uh, labs, which they're already doing, by the way. But I think that that will become incredibly commonplace. It will be 3D printing organs. Um, but brain augmentation is, is really fascinating. And we just had, so I have a new show now called Impact Theory. And we just had um, one of the most dynamic neuroscientists on the show, a guy named Moran Cerf. Uh, the episode yeah, was amazing. We've had him on. Yeah, ah, amazing. Perfect. Yeah, he's an amazing scientist. Amazing, yeah. amazing. So he was talking about, and you may have talked about it on your show as well. He was talking about some of the um, work that's being done to basically map the uh, neurological firing patterns of different regions of the brain. And so if somebody is struggling with neurogenitive decline, that they can go in there and map out how that particular area of that particular person's brain fires. And then as it hits a critical point where it's degenerated too far, they will literally um, remove or bypass that part of the, the biological brain and insert, I'm not sure if it's a chip or exactly what it is, but they would mm -hmm. put in something artificial that would take over and replicate the way that that brain fires in all those different circumstances. And mm. that's already being done now. So you can imagine what's going to be happening in 30 years. I think it's going to be um, amazing. I, I really think that, you know, if you follow Ray Kurzweil, something like 87% of his predictions about the future have come true. And he's saying in 2045, we'll hit the moment of the singularity, which is where technology will be advancing so fast that like a black hole event horizon, we can't possibly predict what happens after that. Um, and people sort of round that to the moment where they think that we'll be able to upload our consciousness. It's, it's utterly fascinating. And of course, one has to at least ask the question, are we already living in the matrix? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question to ask actually. Um, you know, I, would you, are you a, a transhumanist? I mean, do you feel like you would be up for uploading your consciousness living forever? No question. No question. I'll never be an early adopter. I think there's a lot of risk involved in that. But uh, I once the technology matures, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm, I have stated many times publicly that I plan to live forever. So um, that's definitely the game plan. Wow. Uh, that's 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 impressive, man. I'm not sure if I would follow in those footsteps, but I'm not. No judgment here. Um, you know, was has there been a any certain thing in your life that has impressed you the most, or had the the most kind of gravity in your life for you? Any book, uh, person, event, anything like that? It's interesting. I'm going to tell you what the first thing was that before you finish that that. Okay. leapt so forcefully into my mind. Um, there is a certain look that my wife gets sometimes when we're all alone and we just lock eyes and she gives me this look that is the facial equivalent of pure love. And that, oh. that to me is the juice. Like that, that's my everything. If every moment of my life could feel like that, I truly would need nothing else. No, I don't. My heart is melting right now. <laughs> I, I just, that's amazing. I, I don't think we've ever had a moment like that on the show before. Dude, um, my, my wife wow. and I are, are super, super obsessed with each other. And um, we just, we, we've been together now for 16 years. And uh, we've been through everything from poverty to, you know, tremendous success and highs, lows. But through it all, we've really made sure that we were growing together. 
Um, and, and that isn't easy, but that is like at the end of the day for longevity, you've got to want to change, right? Like I'm a guy who's obsessed with adding new skills, thinking in new ways, not letting my ideology become dogma. And so to get two people to grow in that same way, it, it actually takes recognizing that that look in that person's eye is incredible and it's amazing and you should note it and talk about it and enjoy it and, you know, cultivate the ability to get back there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so true. And, you know, I want to leave it on that sort of cliffhanger for the members content side. Tom, where can people find your work? Where can people get to your website and what you're doing? So at Tom Bilyeu uh, is the best way. And my last name is is spelled a little weird. And that's B as in Bravo, I-L-Y-E-U. Um, and then I have actually, so I've moved into a founder role at Quest Nutrition. I'm no longer involved on a day-to-day basis, but I founded a new company called Impact Theory. And so you can also check out everything at impacttheory.com. Cool. This is the human experience. Thank you so much for listening. We will get to you guys next week.